Joe presents TKO together with 32 Red. Welcome to round 26 of TKO on Joe together with 32 Red. We're a podcast and YouTube show with you every Thursday. As you may or may not know, last Saturday just gone was the year countdown anniversary for the Tokyo Olympic Games. Less than 360 days now to go until the big one. Now, GB, historically, and we're in the EIS in Sheffield, have had a lot of success the last three games. Three medals in Beijing, five in London, three more in Rio. And one man who's been a staple part of the success on amateur international level, but has had to wait patiently in the wings for his shot at both a world and an Olympic Games is the man that I'm very pleased to say is joining me today, Big Fraser Clark. Now, if we go to our wide shot, we, you will be able to see <laughs> Fraser's big fat foot because you've just turned your ankle in a sparring session. No, uh, I, did it this, I did it this morning. Oh, did you do it this morning? I was running and uh, sort of shook it off. And I've just finished sparring. I took my boot off and my foot's just like... And it's blown up. Blown up, yeah. Not the most pleasing thing, but as you say, you're the best looking ever on the planet. So we'll just focus on the face and not the that's foot. That's it, that's it. Um, so you've been sparring with um, Mr Joshua, who's back in the gym this week. Yeah, but I won't say back in camp, but he's back in the gym, you know, working on a few things and uh, just getting his bearings. Yeah. We did 10 rounds of tech sparring, you know, just get back in there, get the feel for it. It's my first time back in sparring for five, six weeks. So, mm. you know, it was good to look at the rounds and... So you came back from European Games in Minsk. I didn't quite go your way out no. there, but the last 12 months, you've had, a, you've had a great 12 months. Obviously, Commonwealth Games gold in summer last year. We'll get to all of that, but I want to kind of go back to the beginning of your journey because the last 10 years have been a hell of a roller coaster. And I sort of feel as if you're not only the best kept secret in amateur boxing, I feel as if you've had to probably be the most patient man in boxing because you have been on this squad for 10 years now yeah so you first walked in the door you're 27 now at 17 oh, I was literally just turned 17 yeah yeah came in remember it was just a big just a big joke to me to be honest I just thought you know what am I doing here I didn't quite understand what what I was coming into came on a trial 17 year old was put into groups I can remember it was just me a little chubby 17 year old surrounded by these big butch 25 26 27 year old men um, deep voices, beards, the lot. Um, chucked straight in the deep end, and lucky enough, a, a few weeks later, I got I got a letter through the post saying, um, "Do you want to join us full time?" A bit of a difficult choice at the time because obviously I was working, just got an apprenticeship. But you know, I told my mum and dad, I said, "Look, I don't really enjoy what I'm doing. I may as well go and do something I enjoy. Let's see where it goes." Wow! And here we are, ten years mm. later. And here we are, ten years later. The, the, very much the dad of the squad and. I guess for people who don't follow the amateur side of the game, a lot of professional fans, but the amateur game's a tricky one because to all of the big international tournaments, you only send one person for each weight. Mm. Now, for you, really, I would say you've been consistently in the top five in the world for the best part of seven or eight years, mm. but every single year, either Anthony Joshua or Joe Joyce has been probably the number one or two in the world. Yeah. So it must have been very frustrating for you to not be able to kind of show what you've got to offer and test yourself at those major internationals. When you first got here, at what point did you realise, OK, I'm going to be second fiddle to, to AJ in the build-up to 2012? Did you kind of accept that that spot was his and was that really nothing that you didn't consider competing for that spot at that point? Well, I'd, I'd boxed Joshua in uh, 2010, I think it was, on a club show, amateur show, you know, small yeah. all thing, sort of crazy, everyone, full of everyone, full of beer and whatnot. We had a right set to, like, um, you know, one of them. That I, people still talk about it to me now, you know, when they see me. Uh, and he beat me. It was on points really close. And I knew from now, I thought, there's not many people that can get in there and do that to me. At that stage, I was, be I was beating everyone. So I knew he was going to be good then. And then before I knew it, he was walking through, the, through them doors over there. And that's when I thought, you know what, this is, this is someone who's a bit special and he's going to be very difficult to, uh, to compete with, let alone knock off the perch sort of thing. And... Uh, 
it became very apparent very soon that the speed in which he was picking up the amateur game, the international amateur game, was quite scary. And then he went to the World 2011 and got to the final, so which, he, yeah. which was just like... I didn't expect him to go there and do that, to be honest, but he took it all in his stride and he got there. So I knew it, I knew I'd be second fiddle, but I didn't mind it because I wasn't ready to go to London. I, I could have gone there and, you know, gone for the experience and maybe maybe nicked one fight and lost to one of the experienced guys in the other. But yeah. no one wants to really go... You don't want to go to the uh, Olympic Games in your home country just to experience it. I hate losing and I wasn't ready to be an Olympian, to be honest. You know, I was just chucked in at the deep end and just worked with what I had. Of course, the other guy that was here was, was Big Joe Joyce up yeah. until, you know, 18 months ago. And I can remember the first time I ever saw you, I think, was you versus him. And I think you boxed on like three times in like a, the space of a year. It was like yeah. ABA final both years and then maybe GB championships. GB in between, yeah. And I think the bouts got closer as, as kind of time went on. Yeah. I think he beat you like 36, 37. Yeah, we, we had some great fights, yeah. me and Joe. And uh, no, I just couldn't beat him. If I'm honest, I just couldn't seem to... You know, you, I, I don't want to say bogey, man, because, you know, I believed as time went on, I was getting better. But... Um, very fit and strong man, as everyone knows, and he's uh, over three threes. He's there for every every second of the fight, and uh, his strength and his fitness always came through. He seems like that over twelve as well now, which is pretty uh, pretty remarkable. Obviously, he just got that win over Bryant Jennings, and he's having to be fast tracked because he's kind of in his you know almost in his mid thirties mm. now. People maybe don't realise how difficult an opponent he is to beat. And I know sometimes technically he doesn't look like the best. He's not got the quickest hands in the world. He sometimes looks a bit ploddy, but You've been in there. Mm. Just talk to me about what it's like to spar Joe when he's when he's on a ten. Nah, I think it's so it's so funny. You know what people say about oh he's stiff, he's robotic, he's this, he's that. Joe Joyce is a fantastic fighter, and yeah. you can ask anyone from amateur boxing, pro boxing. It might be one thing to look at, but getting in the ring with him is a hard work for anyone because he's relentless. And when you think about heavyweight boxing, for me, usually the fit ones win. As a rule, I'd yeah. say you know over the last. 10 years, the guys that are fit and strong win and he's got that in abundance and he's coming forward with straight shots and he's, you know, he's gone away and he's worked with like, he's working with Adam Booth now and he's been uh, with Abel Sanchez. He's, he's picked up little things from all over. He's, he's a bit of a wildcat, Joe, you know, so he picks up things. He is actually getting better, but strong defence, lets his hands go, fast, strong. I won't say concussive puncher, but very thudding and constant. It's going to be hard work for anyone in ball boxing, I believe. Mm. Yeah, his defence isn't the best. He takes a few too many, but he's got a granite chin. The juggernaut is the perfect name because it literally he is. Just a, he just keeps coming, and you've got to be a real puncher to put Joe down. So after Joshua turned over, what 2013? You know, it's pretty much you and Joe as mm. to uh, vying for the, the one and two spots. There were a number of qualifying routes for the Olympic Games. You've got obviously the European qualifier, which which Joe went to, the WSB two or three other tournaments as well. Obviously, you've got your eyes set on those, but it is difficult to get a look in because ultimately, as we know, they're only sending one of you to these major yeah. tournaments. So Joe gets sent to 2013 yeah. Worlds, 2015 Worlds, yeah. Commonwealth Games. Yeah. How do you keep yourself motivated when you know that you could beat the majority of the guys at that tournament? Do you know what it is, Chris? Deservingly so, before I said anything, deservingly so, Joe beat me three times, four times in our whole thing. One of them got stopped because I had an injury. But he had four wins over me, so deservingly so he got sent to all them tournaments before me. But if I'm honest, I enjoyed, I really enjoyed the chase. You know, you. To, you know, to Rio, I'd say that was the best form I was in my whole career so far. Chasing Joe Joyce, having someone in front of me who I can compete with on the runs, compete with in strength and conditioning, compete with in the ring, in sparring. It was something that every day, 
Maybe now, and just being really honest, like the times now when obviously being the front runner, being the number one at the minute, I've had to I've had to real pick myself up over the last couple of months because I'll be re I'll be honest, uh, I got comfortable. Yeah, I got comfortable. It's only from the European Games waking me up and letting me know that you know what, there's people coming through. If you really want to change your life, which I do, I have to pick things up. So when I was chasing Joe, it was always staying in bed and snoozing that alarm wasn't an option because mm. I know Joe wasn't doing that. I know Joe. What, you, know, I, you know that alarm's going off. Joe's sitting up like Frankenstein. Yeah, and he's getting up and he's running. He's yeah. running fast. So it was really good to be chasing someone. It was really good to cut him down. I was trying my best, and I, I believe, you know, I'm, I'm not sure you'd have to speak to the coach. I think I got pretty close. You know, I, I had my best form from from probably 2014 to 2016. I won everything. I, I won. You got a European gold in 14, didn't you? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I beat Tony Yoker in, yeah. in the EU finals. Every tournament I went to, I went to like seven tournaments on the bats and won gold in every tournament. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's different because you're you're going to those tournaments, things like the Box Eye and the Stranger and the GB tournament. Really difficult tournaments. Golden Belt in Romania. Yeah, really tough, but a lot of them aren't televised. So, so you're going, you're getting medals here, but people... No one knows. Unless, yeah. unless they know you're boxing and they're looking yeah. for results, a lot of people will go, I wouldn't know who that was, wouldn't know what they'd won. And it's really the Commonwealth Games and the Olympics, which are your window to the world. Exactly. Which is why I feel you've, you've gone under the radar for so long. Yeah, the thing is, with, with, like I say, with me and Joe, I was winning, but so was he. And with yeah. him already being there, it was, I was going like that. The gap was forever. You know, it was always close, but it wasn't getting no closer because yeah. we was both in such a great form. I mean, to have, um, I think it was 2015 to 2016, to have two lads off the same squad in the top 10 of the world, mm. which me and Joe was. I think Joe was like number five and I was number seven or eight. Super heavyweights, I don't know, no other country that has that. No, agreed, agreed. And obviously Joe was on that brilliant run of form in the World Series boxing. Mm. I think the only person to beat him was Usyk in sort of 12 or 13. Us Usyk, and then he had, he had a real stinking decision, which would have qualified him for the Olympics to uh, Maximum Babin, yes. the, the Russian Yes, because he had to win one more, didn't he? And he didn't get it, yeah. so he had to go to the European qualifier. Yeah. Which, of which, course, which, yeah. Which I, I can remember sitting in my nan's ass, oblivious to her, she just supports any... It was on TV, so <laughs> yeah. she supports any GB boxing. So she's there screaming at the TV, go on, Joe, go on, Joe. I'm, I'm sat there like... You're like, he's literally taking my spot in front of my very eyes, my yeah, nan's yeah, celebrating. My nan's celebrating, so I can remember at the end of round two, He'd won two rounds. I knew it was. I, I literally walked out the door, went over the road to my house. I can remember walking into the. Uh, walk, my dad's got like a little bar shed at the back of the garden. I can remember sitting in that shed. Whiskey was out, like a depressed old man sat there. Ug, 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 ug. Yeah. And, I, and then the phone call started coming to me. You know, well, fair play to everyone. Uh, I think within about 20 minutes of Joe boxing, I had a phone call off Rob, and it was like, "Look, Fraser, I know you're in a bad place right now. I understand." Um, you know, the coaches are here and the, the, you won. One of the, as soon as Joe qualified, one of the first names that got mentioned was you because, you know, we knew how bad you wanted it. Yeah. So um, it was a real difficult time, but a real, real learning curve. It taught me a lot about myself here in that period. What I thought was amazing was, I don't know if you remember, you came down to, to London and we went to, there was the Muhammad Ali exhibit at the O2. Yeah, yeah. And you came down to that and I, was, I didn't know whether you would be there or not because obviously it was the unveiling of these are the qualified Olympians so far yeah. and it was Boazzi and Joe and Nicola mm -hmm. Adams and you went straight up to Joe and you gave him a big hug and you said, well done, big man, congratulations. And I remember we, we talked and it was a difficult time for you but you somehow, and this is, this is what I always say to people, if you want to know what sort of man Fraser Clark is, to make the conscious decision because you didn't have to go to Rio and be his sparring partner to give him the best chance of getting a medal when he had taken your place that you work for I just remember thinking that's one of the, the most noble things I've ever seen anybody do. But how hard was that decision to make for you? 
Not very, to be honest. Not very. I'd, um, you've all taught sorts of different characters in this squad. Um, two lightweights might never talk to each, never talk to each other. Two middleweights never talk to each other. Won't even walk past each other in the corridor. With me and Joe, I just got a massive respect for him. Yeah. You know, you know, for for what he did. I mean, I, I'll say he had basic skills, but you know, for someone to have basic skills and be able to do what he used to do to opponents, I couldn't do nothing but applaud it. So you know, I never had no animosity towards Joe. I always uh, supported him, you know, I always said hello, we always had a chat and even a bit of a crack at it, you know. Obviously there's that rivalry there, so you're not the best of friends, but there was never been a problem with us two. And, uh, you know, Rob come and asked me, uh, he said, look, it's the options there, it's up to you. Took me about half a second or so, I said, I'm there. Uh, not just because of that, not just because of Joe. What you got to think is, my brothers were going there, you know, to, to compete. Kez, Joe, Kelly, Pat, Lawrence, all these fighters, you know, they're all going there to compete at Galau. So yeah. how can I forget him? So I just wanted to be with him and around him and you know, if I could give any positive uh, influence to him while he was over there, even if that meant you know, bellowing from the crowd. You know, I was in the crowd oh, every you're day. Flipping worm, oh, I was giving it some. The BBC you know? were cutting to you every five minutes just with the flag and the shades and everything. Yeah, I was, I was just giving yeah. it some just because I understand you know, the margins that tight in amateur boxing. If I can be an influence from the outside of the ring, maybe I won't, maybe I wasn't, maybe I was, but if I could scream in that judge's ear every time that one of my friends landed, and it gave him 1% of swaying, mm. that was a good, a close round, that could be the difference, you know, me, me there bellowing, it's just human nature, isn't it, yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? So I just wanted to do that, and, it was, and other than that, it was a good experience, you know, let me get in the village, let me get in the stadium, and, and it made me think, right, the next one this is, is mine, for. yeah, the next one is mine. Ultimately, when you, when you get to the Olympics, what I did realise was, it's just a boxing ring in a hall, it's the same as anything else, but that feeling of, this is the Olympic Games, you're representing Great Britain, that's what I want, sir. and that's why, that's why I went out there, you know, I got the feel for the Olympic Games. Who out of the team impressed you the most? Josh Batsy, without a doubt. Knocking everyone out like we've he, never seen well, really, Like, I knew he was good. Um, from the second I seen Josh, I knew he was good. In the, in the ABAs, uh, the year I boxed Joe, I think it was 2013, yep. I knew he was going to be a good fighter. Then he came in and uh, some people just have that special something about him. That they've got little bits of everything and, uh, you know, I could see, I could see him and I could see Havanda Holyfield in him. I could see Larry Holmes in him. I could see, I'm talking about heavyweights here because that's what I go back to, but I could see little bits of Roy Jones. I could see everything in Boatsy. Um, from the first bat, um, I think, who did he box first? Kennedy Katenny from yeah, Uganda. The, the, yeah, the, the, people said he was, an, he was an old man. Yeah, he was an Olympian though, he, wasn't he? Yeah. But he was, he was a very experienced fighter and the way he dissected him, you know, I said, once he wins his first one, he's going to be a hard man to stop. Mm. And he boxed three southpaws, three, three good southpaws in that Olympic Games out yeah. of four bats. And he's just the way, you know, the way Boatsy is, he impresses me, not as just as a boxer, but as a person. One of the most honest, loyal person I've ever met. He's got a great head on his shoulders, but at the same time, he can get through the ropes. I often say to people, he's a savage. He mm. is an absolute savage, and uh, he's got every shot in the book. Power shot, powerful man. I wouldn't want to be a light heavyweight. Have you ever sparred him? Never. We've you been joked about it, didn't you? We've been talking about it for you. We still talk about it now. Yeah. We still talk about it. You know, I want, I want it. I want to see what, see, see, see what the hype's about. I'd like, I'd like to. I quite like to see that. I'm sure, we will. Yesterday, I nearly got, a, I nearly got a chance to. There was, uh, he wanted to do more rounds, and I was on the bag. I heard, overheard. I said, "Oh, I'll can I jump in?" But I think the coaches know that we're going to have a right little step to because <laughs> we've got a bit of competition. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. So, yeah. Josh Boatsy in them Olympic Games, he was fantastic. And obviously, Nicola Adam, she was uh, that impressed mm. me the way that. You know, she's already won at uh, London and she went there and she just dominated, you know. She had the aura about her and I noticed it from just being around the village. She had the aura about her amongst the other women boxing. 
They don't want to box her. Mm. They want to have a photo with her. They know that she's that good. And uh, it was just really impressed me about Nicola was the build-up to the games. Like, I didn't honestly see her too much in 2016. She was away working, you know, she was, she was doing her work. I think she did a bit of the Ingle gym and this and that. She wasn't in this gym too much. When it comes to the Worlds and the Olympics, she just turned it up a level and you just think, that is why you are, you are what you are. There's, of course, a chance that she could come back under the rules and defend her title if she wanted to. And we know she's just been promoted to full WBO champion following that decision by the WBO. Yes, yeah, so really it's, it's, it's a strange, me. yeah, it's a strange decision. Obviously, great news for her, but obviously, it'd be nice to see her fight for it. But ultimately, she's, you know, she's still doing well. And then, obviously, you've come back from from Rio, so we get three medals there. Obviously, the three of them have got their posters up on the wall: Joe, yeah. Boatsy, and, and Nicholas. So I guess for you, that's even more. In, kind of imperative to see those on the wall and think yeah. that could be me in four years time now. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think and people might not understand, but I've been looking at these faces for 10 years. Mm. The medal would be lovely. Ultimately, the goal is to have, have my face in this gym so someone else can see it. And I want to be able to bring my daughter here after 2020 and say, look, your dad's around the world. It mean nothing to her now, but in 20 years, it'll mean the world to her. And like these guys, like, you know, I look on the wall, I see Richie Woodward, I see him every day, Robbie yeah. Riedel, Larison, Amir Khan, James DeGale, David Price. For instance, David Price, people are giving him stick and this and that about his pro career. He's an Olympian, he's won a medal. For, like, it's, it's that much more difficult. To get these medals, for me, is more difficult than to go and win titles. There's that many titles in the pros now, come yeah. on, there's, there's so many Mickey Mouse titles, everyone's winning, it's, it's embarrassing, but there's not many people that can say they've got a picture on this wall. Everyone who's got one, you're looking at around there now. Speaking of your, your daughter, so she was born, was it end of 2016, beginning of 2017? Yeah, uh, December the 8th, 2016. 2016. So your daughter was born and then something like 10 days, two weeks later? Um, yeah, yeah, just, just under two weeks. Just talk me through from top to bottom. What on earth happened on that yeah, night? Yeah, so um, I can remember it really well. You know, I said to, the, to my, my ex-girlfriend at the time, tradition sort of thing. You go, I'm going out with the lads, wet the baby's head, as everyone does. It's Christmas, I'm going out, I'll be back later. I'd like to say she said no worries, we probably had a bit of a Barney about <laughs> yeah. it, but no, I'm not, I'm not a big I can't drink the same life anyway, I'm a lightweight, as they call it. Um, we're having a good time and whatnot. We've gone into a local club in Burton on Trent where I live. As soon as I walked in, I noticed a group of lads who I, I know, they're from Derby, which is the next city along. And you know, you, you sort of sense. It's been something there's, before. Yeah, it's been and, something yeah. over the years. And, and they know do, what you do. And they know, you yeah, they know me. I know, I know them. And it's sort of a <clears> little <throat> bit of this and that. Um, left it alone. Walked out. You know, stayed. Avoided them all night. It's, I can remember it's like the last last 20 minutes before the club closed. Obviously, everyone's had a bit too much at this time. I've walked past, and uh, I don't know if I knocked a drink or something like. We've ended up in a bit of an altercation, just a bit of verbals. Before you know it, I'm throwing punches. They're throwing punches. There's bottles, chairs, whatever. It's going off basically. You know what I mean? Um, which I thought, you know, this is, this is normal to me. I do this every day, not a problem. You know what I mean? So five or six lads, we're getting, I'm getting stuck in. Uh, I was on my own, all my friends are outside. Then the next thing, um, I've gone outside, it's all sort of coming. I've walked outside, I can remember seeing one of the girls I know from Burton. She just looked at me and I seen the look in her face, she just went like a ghost and she just screamed. I said, and I'm saying, what's up? She says, your neck. I said, what do you mean? So as I got closer to her, and I remember seeing blood squirting out my neck. I thought, oh, fuck, hey, what's happened? Because you, you've got your jugular, your jugular vein. Yeah, yeah so I, I, that was the, the worst fear. So initially, um, you know, obviously I'm bleeding, people are concerned. Um, and then uh, obviously the worry was, was the neck. Um, I got stabbed in the neck. 
And then a couple of minutes later, I realised, you know, I'm feeling a bit faint here, and I felt the warm down my leg, twice in the leg. And I had, a, you know, a couple of cut on top of my head, you know, from bottle and stuff like that. So it was dangerous time, you know, it was, it was bad and it was unfortunate. Um, our, a little confrontation fight turned into something stupid like that, and uh, I managed to get myself to the hospital. It just wasn't nice, you know. I see my mum came up, she was in crying, uh, you know, I wasn't in the best ways, I was I was angry, so I was having to be calm, calm down and restrained, and my dad was there, my brother was there, my, all my friends were there. Um, you know, I had a lot of people that were concerned about me. But at the same time, my, my partner at the time and my daughter are in bed, oblivious to anything, and I was like, lying on a hospital bed, and I just remember waking up after that, and uh, yeah, I was just, just in a hospital bed for a few days. Oh, man. Yeah, it's one of them things, Chris, uh, you know, I got very lucky, but it was a really good uh, learning curve for me, you know? You have to learn to... At, at that point, where, where I live, Burton on Trent is very small. I consider it the safest place in the world, but the day and age we're in, I don't think you're safe anywhere. So uh, I learned a lot from it. I took a lot from it, and uh, I like to think I've come out wiser. And like I say, you know, this chat now, and I've done a few things in the past, you know, just to, just to make people aware of the situation and what can happen. I mean, I, I didn't care about anything else at the time, just the fact that my daughter was two weeks old and a couple of inches to the left, a couple of inches to the right, she ain't got a dad no more, do you know what I mean? So I was very lucky, but like I say, I'm very blessed to be here now. Can you describe to me what the feeling is like of being stabbed? So you're in, in the neck and then in the leg as yeah, well? Yeah, um, a punch. Really? <laughs> I didn't know, I was clueless. Um, you know, I walked out there angry, obviously, but I didn't have a clue what had happened. Um, that was to do adrenaline and alcohol. I, didn't, I couldn't feel nothing. I, and it was only when I'd realised, you know, my leg was warm and covered in blood and I started feeling quite faint, I realised, yeah, this is uh, serious. And then it was the, uh, when I got to the hospital and, you know, they chopped my clothes off me, it wasn't, this was perfect knife wounds, you know what I mean, so. What do you remember seeing when you looked down? I was just red. I, just wow. remember, I remember just blood everywhere. And I can remember, and I still see them now to this day. I didn't remember much of anyone. Uh, remember one face, one paramedic, who I see him now, and I always go up to him and thank him. But then, not too long ago, I was out for food, and these two uh, young ladies walked up to me. I said, do you remember us? I said, no, they were the two young ladies, the paramedics, that helped me and, and sorted me out. So I, you know, I, I couldn't have, didn't have enough, I had more, so much respect and a lot of time for them. Wow. Knife crime is, is such an epidemic all over the country, really. I mean, London's probably the, the capital of yeah, knife crime right. at the moment, unfortunately. If you have a message to young men who are thinking of leaving the house with a knife today or tomorrow or the next day, what, what is that message? Think of the impact on your life, your family's life. Before you think about anyone else, think about your family. Think about yourself because the top bottom is you're going to jail forever. You go and stab someone, or you, you're going to jail, you're ruining your life, you're ruining your family's life. Think of your mother. Mm. You know, most people out there love their mother. I know I do. So before anything, before any stupid decision, think of your family. And if you have got a heart, think of the person, think of the victim, think of their families, their future. You know, the knock-on effect of these things are, are ridiculous. So I just think, you know, use, use this before using any sort of violence. Uh, it's uncalled for, you know, and people to bang on about circumstances in their life and the way they live. If you've got that much anger towards someone, pick get, up the, get a, the gloves and the headband. Get the gloves. Go down well. your local glove, uh, your local club. But knives, it's just a big no-no. Okay. Well, look, lucky for you. Obviously, you came out of it and the other side of it relatively unscathed. Any kind of physical 
ramifications from it? Was your leg okay and fully functional? And it like took, took a while. It did yeah. take a while, you know. Um, I came back in here, you know, I spoke to uh, the team, I spoke to the doctors and the physios and, you know, Rob and the coaches and, you know, there was understanding and, you know, they helped me get through it. You know, we have a great uh, psychological team, which, you know, really, really did help me and stuff. So it took a bit of time, but yeah, I was, I come out good. And uh, before too long, I was back at it, you know, I was full training again. Mm. And it was just put behind me to the past. It, it's hit, I mean, scar on your neck has healed up really well, just for yeah. people that don't, don't yeah, know, don't obviously. Yeah. It's just, it's kind of down there under your jawline, isn't it? Yeah. So, it's right. healed up really, and the, and the others, what, are they top of the thigh? Yeah, top, like top of my thigh. Okay, yeah, so they're covered nice. by your shorts yeah. and stuff. We might get a couple of shots of them later on yeah. just so people can see what, what the lasting damage is. Okay, you're listening to and watching TKO on Joe together with 32 Ray. You can subscribe via the usual channels. We'll pick back up with Fraser in just a few moments' time. But some news for you. These boys are back. I've known Pilly for, for years and he's always been like professional. I mean, he's always been professional until he... The one time I saw him eat a Domino's pizza <laughs> <laughs> with a chicken korma on top. I told you this story. Wait, let's get this really clear. You got a Domino's pizza, put a chicken korma on top of it, put another Domino's pizza on top of it, smash that, right, and drunk two litres of Fanta on it. Uh, 1.25 litre of Coke. Yeah, 1.25 litre of Coke. No, but it was a slice of pizza. No, not a slice of pizza. A whole pizza and a curry. And I don't like wasting food. And yeah. I knew that if I if I left it, It'd go to waste, so I was like, oh, I'm going to have to eat this. So I ate all of it. You, you did a pizza and a curry and a pizza on top. And, no, 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 just one just, pizza. Just the one yeah, pizza. But if you halved it and put it on top, it'd probably look like a sandwich. <laughs> it was a sandwich. <laughs> we go, you know people, most people go to sandwich shops. He made a curry pizza sandwich and then washed it down with 1.5 litres of Coke. Alex Payne, James Haskell and the boys from House of Rugby are back for season two. Good luck, chaps. Hope it's a good one. Uh, we are here in the meanwhile at the EIS in Sheffield with Big Fraser Clark. Um, so we're just in the middle of, of talking about that horrendous night just before Christmas 2016 when you were stabbed mm. and fast forward four months I was sat on the rooftop in St Paul's with Boazzi waiting to do some filming with you boys Yeah, and you're oh. a pretty punctual man and I remember thinking oh, where's Fraser he's like half an hour late we couldn't get hold of you yeah. and then Boazzi you know sometimes Boazzi asks like funny questions and he went Chris are there always this many helicopters above London and I was thinking what are you talking about and I looked and I was thinking that's like all the helicopters that's as many yeah, as we've yeah. got and then we checked the news and of course it was the Westminster terrorist attack. Yeah. You were in town due to Box Thursday night. You did Box Thursday night. This was the Wednesday and you were on a tour of the Houses of Parliament yeah. when this attack happened. Yeah. Just talk me through that day from a first eye point of view, everything you, you saw and remember from that day. So, real strange one. Um, <laughs> as normal as a day when you're doing the WSB as, as it can get. You it's know, a media day, isn't it? Before media then? day, you go and you, know, um, you do a bit with the, maybe some kids out of the community or we're, having, we're in the uh, House of Parliament, um, we've done a little press conference, English team, uh, Italian team, nothing out of the ordinary. And I can remember walking through on the way, we walked through, it um, came out, we was going out, and I can remember I was with Canon French, Pat McCormack, having a laugh as we do. We was ahead of everyone, us three. We wanted to get out of there, it was red hot, baking hot, we wanted to get back to the hotel, want some food. Uh, next thing, here, what I, the only thing I can describe is a car crash and a scream. It's on the other side of a big fence with conifers in front, so I can't really see much. I didn't think too much of it. I thought, oh God, you're in London, busy, someone's come off the bridge, crashed the car, someone's been hurt. Carry on, we're just floating around, walking towards the gate. Um, see a lot of people, a lot of people running. Again, you're in London, everyone runs, mm. everyone rushes. Mm. But then, 
still walking, you know, three boxes, oblivious to everything and with not a care in the world, police officers started running past us. A couple of police officers carry on walking. Get to near the gate and uh, there's no way, no way to butter it up. Someone comes around the corner with two knives, big, big kitchen knives, so that's the way I can describe them, uh, Rambo things. Oh, machetes kind of thing. Sort of like, I don't even know what there was, but... And I think, oh, God, there's been uh, something bad happening here. Um, the police officer got... Um, the one that, you know, God rest his soul, uh, Keith Palmer, I think his name yeah, was. Yeah, he was, yeah. He somehow ended up getting tangled up with the fella, but the fella was two hands. He was ripping into... They ended up getting untangled. At this point, it's like going in slow motion. Um, the police officers ran off, and I can remember running past me, and he just fell on the floor, boom, right there. My coach, Tony Davis, come out, I seen him, I can remember him hopping a fence. He was a former army officer, yeah. Tony, right? He's hopped the fence, he started treating the officer on the floor. At this point, um, before this, like this is, a, a, I can remember um, a gentleman in a long black coat, he's walked up, just calm as anything, pulled out the whap, bang, bang. It, down, it happened down that there. quick, like really? that. Uh, so all of this has happened in what? A minute? Yeah, if that. At this point, I'm thinking, uh, he'd just gone mad. He's on the street. I didn't know where he was from, didn't know what was happening. Next thing, the police are coming and rushing us inside, and right, this is, lo this is now a lockdown area. Mate, I'm boxing in, boxing tomorrow, mate. I need to go and get some food. No, 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 you've got to stay in here. There's children in there on like, day trips, there's families, there's everything in there, there's people in suits. Didn't think no nothing of it. Next thing, Obviously, everyone's on the phones. I am hearing screams. Um, they told us what had happened on the bridge. I told my mum I was going to the house parliament that day. Oh. So I'm getting a phone call come through. What's going on? Her mum, I've just seen, I think, two people get killed. Anyway, next thing, this is how I got that intense. Everyone's phone is gone. Dead. Well, because we tried to call six or seven of you, yeah. and all of your numbers were going to the same dial tone. Did they, did they scramble your they phones? Scramble everyone's phone, no one's phone, the whole thing, the whole, everyone inside. Yeah. No phones, no TVs, nothing was working. At this point, I'm getting quite ruined now. There's armed officers coming in, there's people with mirrors under tables, um, there's people checking light sockets, plug sockets. Fucking hell. And I'm thinking, what is going on here? Anyway, we're in there uh, nine hours. Yeah. Obviously, we find out what happened a little bit later on. The phone signals come on, and it's just, you know, it's just horrendous to see. And at this point, Tony's still outside, and I'm just thinking about where is Tony? You know, like, where's my coach? Yeah. Uh, we're waiting on the bus, and then he comes back onto this bus. That's, he, he walks back onto the bus, and he's just grey. He is grey. Informed us that the officer died. And he's a hard man, Tony, right? Hard man. Very, uh, seen a lot. Seen a lot. Seen a lot. You know, credit to Tony. He jumped straight over over that barrier. Did what he knew. Tried to save um, the officer's life. Obviously, the paramedics were soon on the scene. Unfortunately, he died. But it was just a bit surreal, and you know, it's sort of it's sort of been forgotten in my, in my head. But when I do talk about it and think back to it, I can't believe I was in the mix of that. Did it not quite register with you what you'd seen? Oh until no, after? no, no, not so, not until after. Uh, I can remember the what? I can remember the Pat McCormack. Whoa, 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 whoa! What's going on? Next thing I remember, the gunshots, bang, bang. Just certain bits of it I can remember. How does it make you feel now when you think about it? Has so, it affected you in any way? No, I didn't. No, not really. 
no. at the time maybe you know it made me a bit sad but you made made you a bit on edge at the time but yeah, yeah. you know I, I was I'm very lucky there's you know a lot of people lost their life that day that shouldn't have lost their life and it's just unfortunate and um I can't believe we boxed the next day that's what thing I cannot believe we boxed no I can't what time did you get in that night or that morning uh, no about probably about 11 at night was it okay maybe 12 because it was Italy, so you had Guido Vianella, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. Who's now a stable mate of Joe Joyce, yeah, yeah, yeah. in the That's pros, it. of course. And I guess you kind of know Guido to, to say hello to from, from tournaments yeah, and stuff. No, we were actually friends. I boxed him three, I boxed, I beat him three times. Right, okay, so you go as far as uh, yeah, to say... We, yeah. Did you kind of speak to him and say, what do you want to do? Who, how did the decision come about between you um, and Italy as to box to the next day? Well, we got asked, and uh, obviously I'm with me. I think that day boxing was me, Callum French, Pat McCormack. We had one Bulgarian kid. And someone else. Yeah. I knew Pat and Callum. They're from Burton, mate. They're tough as they're, they're hard as nails, yeah. mate. Nothing phases them. But yeah, we want to box. We've trained hard. We've made weight. We're boxing. I'm not going to disagree. Let's get it on. It was a bad performance from me. I can remember it. I won the fight, but you got knocked down in the I second. I got put, put down. It was a bad performance. And I'm not saying it had anything to do with that, but I'm sure it didn't help. Do you know what I mean? And obviously, as you mm. say. A tribute to, to Keith Palmer is the, is the reason you guys yeah, 100%, did it. Yeah, 100%. What, what, what a guy, because I do believe if, if it wasn't him, there would have been a lot more death on that day. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And then fast forward another eight, nine months, 2017, the, the World Championships. Yeah. So you finally get your opportunity to yeah. go to the Worlds. Where else did you win that year? Well, we'd we just gone to the Europeans. Oh, uh, we'd just gone to the Europeans. Yes. So we're at the Europeans. Uh, during the fight with uh, Guido, boom, I bossed my hand. But I'm managing it because we've got the Europeans coming up not too long. I need an operation, but I'm managing it. Uh, and then it's sod's law. We're at the European Championships, I'm feeling great. I'm fit, I'm lean, mm. my weight's good, my fitness is good, I've been sparring unbelievable. The most ridiculous things happens in the world. Uh, we're warming up in, uh, in, in a gym. Just like normal, a football comes out. Me and the lads were having a little, little kick about, a little warm up, mess about thing. Uh, the ball gets thrown to me, I'm backing up, I slip. Oh, and all hell broke loose. And your hamstring went. My hamstring detached from my leg. I just heard a big pop. And I can remember it took my breath away. And one of the trainers, Gary Hale, was close to me at the time. He looked at me and I can just remember <gasps> the worst pain I've ever been in my life. It's awful, isn't it? When it, is, you, it, was, yeah. it was like. Uh, it's like a gunshot, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I, I can't really describe it. I can remember the pain, by far the worst pain I've ever been through. Oh, wow. Um, so I'm on the floor for an hour and a half. I cannot move. I cannot move. I've got people around me, paramedics around me, physio around me. We end up strapping it up anyway. I'm filling me with codeine, filling me with all the top painkillers we could get. We've gone to sleep. I'm going to be boxing in two days' time. I'm thinking, I can't box. I've woke up in the morning, I'm hobbling in the long, I'm thinking, right, to qualify for the World Championships, which is in four months, I didn't know the extent of the damage this time, and yeah, I think yeah. I pulled my hamstring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I woke up in the morning, my leg's black. Blood from inside ran down my leg. Ian strapped it up. Everyone's thinking, oh, you know, he ain't gonna fight. I said, Ian, like, strap this up for me again. Get some more pills down me. I'm gonna box. I'm gonna qualify for the Worlds, then I'm gonna pull out. Of course, I've qualified. We go back to the ranch, we heal up. You know, we get right for the Worlds. No problem. It's your decision, it's your leg. So I've got through these ropes. Burning, I've got one hand as well, so I'm on the pads warming up. I cannot, cannot use this hand to warm up with because it is, it is really painful. I'm just on the pads with the jab. I can't move because I've got one leg. I'm hobbling to the ring. Well, something else. I've got to pass the doctor in the morning. To pass the doctor, I have to get up and sit down on this chair. 
can't bend my leg. I'm sitting down, one-legged squat, straight leg out, gone down to his chair. He's not noticed anything. How are you? So you're all right? What, yeah, he, he didn't. He didn't. There's nothing, nothing on the legs really. You okay? Yeah. How are you feeling? Yeah. Check, check, check. Yeah. I've hobbled out. Fucking hell, past. The warm up, horrendous. I'm touching it. I've got a jab. I'm just jabbing a pad. Funny, I've got my legs strapped up under my shorts. I can't even. I can't walk. I'm literally being carried. Gets in there. You work with what you got. I'm on one leg, I'm jabbing, I'm throwing the right hand. Once you're in there, your adrenaline's going. Mm. Your hands are, I don't, you know, if you've got a hand injury, once you're in there, you let it go. Mm. You know, surviving it, someone's, you feel trying, it the next day, someone's yeah. trying to take your head off. So I wins the fight. Unanimous. <laughs> and uh, that's it. You know, we got in the dressing room, uh, legs to and going back to the, to the hotel. I'm having constant attention on it. I'm having, you know, no one knows the extent of the damage. I'm going to get it taped up, massaging my lower my leg, ice, 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 painkiller, painkiller, mm. painkiller. Right, that's it, you don't need to box again. I look at my draw, no, I can beat this kid, I can beat this kid, I'm going to box him. I can beat him. I've gone in, I've won. Same thing happened the next day. You, look, you, you don't need to box anymore. I'm in, I'm in the quarterfinal, next fight, I've got a medal. <laughs> I go in again, box, win. Same thing happens the next day. At this point, it's the semi-final, I've won, I've won the semi-final, one leg, yeah. one hand, yeah. I'm in the final against the Ukraine super heavyweight. I know he's a little bit better than the rest. He was, yeah. He, so then I give him a good fight in the final. It wasn't you know. even that, wasn't even it that was a little bit in, there was two yeah. shots in the second round which won in the fight. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we had a real good fight. I came away with a silver medal. We've come back to England. I'm happy as Larry, you know, like I've got a silver. I shouldn't have even, shouldn't have even competed. Yeah. I wasn't doing all that training, getting over there and doing nothing. I says to a ring up guy at Shepherd, I said, right, I need a scan on this leg, it's still black, it's killing me, I can't walk, can't get up the stairs at home, no problem. So I go for this scan in Sutton Coalfield. I can remember being in there, you know, you go in the machine, the CT machine, I think mm, it is. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's all the banging, banging, banging there, 20 minutes, you've got the earphones, and I come out, and I can remember coming out, and the woman, the doctor's face, she said, darling, you've really, really hurt your leg, you know. I'm, you don't think too much of it, I'm thinking, oh, all right, put your socks back on and whatnot, so I've got everything back on. She walked into the room to me, she goes, you're going for an operation? I said, what operation? I said, I thought I'd pull my hamstring. She goes, it's, off, it's, it's done, it's detached. It's yeah. Go home, get a bag, you're going to London now. This is six o'clock at night. What? Wow. How am I going to get to London? I'm in Burton on Trent. You need to get to London. Hotel's booked. I was in the hotel, five o'clock in the morning. Hospital over the road, I go to the hospital, six o'clock, I'm on the operating table. It's put back together. He then shows me a picture. Um, the surgeon comes in and shows me a picture. Above the picture, he just says it was completely off and the worst picture. <laughs> so yeah, uh, wow. that and that, that you know that put me out for a long time. I had the operation and the rehab, and then I have to uh, I have to be gutted. I missed the worlds. All the lads go to the worlds. I went out there still, you know, whatever I could do, I could. At this point, mm -hmm. I was massive. I was lifting weights. Couldn't do it Remember, yeah. Pumping, pumping, pumping. I've gone massive. But went and watched the lads at the worlds. Gutted. I missed another one. Next thing. Come off games, so we just build a build along, build along, come off games. Yeah, that's it. Just talk to me about because we, we we're going to wrap up in about three or four minutes. But just talk to me about the the final of the Commonwealth Games. Everything that we've just heard in this sort of short story has happened to you over a ten years of, of ups and downs, mm. and you know so nearly getting there but not quite getting there. This was your chance to, for the first time in front of the world on the BBC, get to a major tournament final and show what you're made of. You get through the first four contests. You get to the final, 
talk me through it, because I was watching this from the comfort of my lounge, jumping around like a madman, because I knew what it meant to you. And everybody on the squad, I, I know if they could pick one person to win the gold medal, it would have been you. Mm. Talk me through the rounds and when you when you heard the decision. Well, um, I boxed it before, my in mind, 2015, Olympic qualifier, Olympic uh, event, you know, like pre-Olympic oh, test event, test yeah, event yeah. in Rio. I boxed him there, beat him comfortably. I knew he was going to come put it on me, so we've had a tough fight, and you know he was getting it in, he was getting closing the gap on me, and I had to work inside, and people were looking like this, and at the end of the fight's gone. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've raised my hand. I knew it was close. I thought this is a close one, but I felt like I'd win it, winning every round. I was getting more cleaner shots. We've then, uh, you know, I've gone back to the corner during the fight. My gumshoe comes out. I've gone back to the corner. My lace come with him. I put my lace on the side. I remember Paul warms his time. My lace said. You've got to think you're a little girl now, go out and win this round. I've gone out like a madman, bang, 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 bang. End of the fight's come, I'm there, you know, for breath, everything's slow motion, quiet. You know, and uh, what, what corner was it? Blue corner. The winner in the blue corner. You look down, because you, 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 <laughs> yeah, you just want to make sure. <sighs> Weight off my shoulders. I walk around, I walk around the ring, and then I think, I just want to come off games. I started doing a weird. Yeah, like Jamie Carragher when they, when the Liverpool won the yeah, Champions yeah. League, the weird skippity thing. We yeah. had him on. We had him on the podcast. Really? Yeah. I'm doing a weird skippy thing, and uh, yeah, it was, it was just brilliant. You know, there's um, an amazing shot from from above, bird's eye view of, of you kind of like just hands on your knees, bending yeah. over, like as yeah, if it's just, yeah. just all that, all the emotion, all the release come Finally, out. Finally, something, something has gone my way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, that was a really proud moment for me, and uh, but I, I also know at the same time, I needed to improve. That Fraser Clark from the Commonwealth Games doesn't win the Olympic medal. Right. So it was time to get back. These guys are the most honest guys in the world. I come back in the gym. Rob says to me, well done. You wasn't very good. I had two weeks off. I've had blo uh, smoke blown up my arse for the last two weeks mm -hmm. in my hometown. Come back in the gym. Rob back goes, to reality. You're not very, that wasn't very good. You need to be a lot better. So we go to work again. That's it. Mate, listen, I just want to wish you the very best because I, I hope that... Everyone who watches and listens to this just has got a small idea, if they didn't before, of what you're all about. And we'll maybe come and catch up with you again a little bit closer to the time around the qualifiers and some of the other boys and girls as well, because I think it's going to be potentially one of our strongest teams we've had in recent years, maybe since I think so. Since I, I, I think I've, I've, seen three, I've seen three Olympic squads. Yeah. For me, this is the best. Yeah, agreed. Before we go, uh, I've got here the 32-second challenge with 32 red. Now, you might have seen this, so quick word association. going to read you a list of words. I want you to tell me the first thing that comes into your head. Burton ABC. Fraser Clark. Your boxing hero. Mohamed Ali. Missing out on the Olympic Games. Gutted. Tokyo Olympic Games. Excited. Winning Commonwealth gold. Amazing. Winning Olympic gold, what would it mean? Dream come true. Uh, sparring Anthony Joshua. Hard. Anthony Joshua the man. Gentleman. Uh, being stabbed. Unfortunate. Westminster Bridge. Devastating. Uh, death. Coming to us all. Rob McCracken. Legend. Being a security guard, something we didn't talk about. Very enjoyable. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll talk about that another day. Big Joe Joyce. Juggernaut. Uh, and EIS. Home. Fraser Clark. Absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you very, very no much indeed. Another episode of TKO done and dusted. My thanks to Big Fraser Clark. We'll be following his journey in the run-up to Tokyo. Uh, and we will be in Philadelphia next week as Carl prepares for his fight on August the 10th. We will see you in Philadelphia. You've been listening to TKO on Joe. Together with 32 Red.